The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., Welcome into Stacking the Box podcast with Matt Verderam and Sterling Holmes. I am Sterling Holmes. Verderam, how are you? I am great. I uh, had a great weekend hanging out with you and everybody else in Kansas City, including uh, more fans than I ever thought that would show up uh, at Dana's Bar and Grill. We had a great time on Saturday at uh, the Kansas City Beer Company where they they took care of us uh, in a great way. And I even got to practice sweeping. Um, <laughs> spill a little grain, spill a little grain. Could, could, go, could have been a lot worse, frankly. Uh, when, when the grain started to spill, I was like, this is it, 55 pounds of grain on the floor. Luckily, it was like a half pound of grain on the floor, so we survived it. But um, no, it was a great weekend. It was a great weekend. Had a lot of fun. Love Kansas City. I am still, I think, like pouring salt out from, from all the barbecue, but uh, no, we never any other way. Shockingly, Verderam didn't try and kick my ass at some point throughout the weekend. We were boozing it the whole time. Beat him in darts. Beat him in pool. Uh, I, I, I noticed you forgot to mention that part, how you lost. That's okay. I did. I, we played, th- what, how many games? Three games of darts, and you got me in two of them. Yeah. And uh, the important thing to know is that we got Patrick in all three of them. Oh, uh, yeah. But, oh, he that- stood no chance. That's in here or there. Yes, you did. You you took me down a pool. I, I gotta tell you, I I love pool. I've, I but I never have like an opportunity to play pool, so that was fun. Even though even though I lost, I I enjoyed it. Um, darts, I get to play occasionally. My buddy down the street has a has a dartboard like that, and so we do play darts. Um, I wouldn't say regularly, but like often enough. Uh, but that was, I want to get a dartboard like that, like in my house. I have a cork dartboard. It's just a regular old school yeah. cabinet dartboard. Um, but I'd love to get like an actual, like one of those you have at the bar, like my buddy has down the street. Like I'd love to be able to get one of those because I love playing like 501 cricket, all that stuff. But um, well, dude, and you can get the actual machines. You can put some quarters in there. You get some money from your friends. Come on now. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's fun. It's fun. I, I was a great time. Yeah, you took us to a bar that I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, is going to be shut down for about 78 health code violations yesterday. <laughs> but it was fun. 
Um, we had a great time. So, but we're glad to uh, we're glad to be back. I'm, I you know I drove the seven hours yesterday, and so uh, back in back in the saddle. We have a lot to get to. Week fourteen was interesting. I think the most interesting game was the night game between the, the Dolphins and the and the Niners. Um, and unfortunately, of course, you also had the injury to Kyle Murray on Monday night. Um, but uh, yeah, I I thought the most impactful game was was Dolphins and Chargers. Yeah, th- th- that was definitely one of those games where going into it, I was saying this could be a game that the Chargers win. They played in their competition while Tua Tagovailoa and the Dolphins played horrendous in this game. They allowed Justin Herbert to throw the ball, throw in a 60-yard seed. I don't understand how Joe Lombardi, uh, Brandon Staley, Justin Herbert, they only play like this against teams they're supposed to lose to. We didn't see this against the Raiders. We see it against Kansas City, right. and you saw it against Miami. It's no longer checked down Herbert just to Austin Eckler 14 times a game. But, yes, this was impactful. This kept the Chargers' playoff hopes alive. But in your mind, what's this mean as far as the Dolphins into a tug of a low ago? Listen, I, I think this game, because of Herbert facing Tua, was always going to be hot take Palooza. Um, I think uh, – my buddy Mike Tanya over Football Outsiders, he wrote a great column on Herbert and he, before the game, and he called it. He said it was going to be take again on Twitter because it, you know, and 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 he was right. I think what it says though, and I wrote about it as my lead in stacking the box, which I failed to tweet out because I was driving all day long, um, was the Dolphins have been really, really good, like great against bad teams. Killed the Lions, who now I know are playing better, but at the time were a mess. Killed the Bears, killed the Texans, killed Cleveland at home, right? When they've played teams that are good teams with even mediocre defenses, like top 20 defenses in the league, they don't kill them. Like, the only time they've really killed anybody like that was Baltimore in the fourth quarter. That's it. Buffalo, they beat them, give them credit, but they did not play particularly well. That was a very weird game that they probably lose 95 times out of 100. They scored 20 points against New England, and one of those scores was a defensive score. The Chargers game, that's a horrible defense. Like, no Derwin James, no J.C. Jackson, no Joey Bosa. You can't do anything against that team. And at one point in the game, you know, I was at Tanner's Barn Girl after our show. I was hanging out with some people, and we were watching the game, and because you're talking, you're looking up the TV and you, know, you say, oh, okay, incomplete. And I'm not really doing the math in my head other than thinking, like, man, two is really not playing that well. And at one point over, the, like, then you hear, like, I think it was Collinsworth. It was like, yeah, two is three of 18 for 25 yards. Oh, my God, he's what? Like, that's impossible to be that bad. And so I think the, 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 the takeaway I have is, is with two of the last couple of weeks, Niners, Chargers, he certainly improved. He's playing much better. He's not an elite quarterback. He's not. If you're an elite quarterback, you don't play like that against the Chargers. I'm sorry. Like you don't go three of eighteen for twenty five yards. So um, the Dolphins, I think, have been exposed a little bit these past few weeks. I still think they're good. I still think they're a playoff team, but they're not a contender. Like I don't, I don't see them as a team that can get to the Super Bowl after watching them the last couple of weeks. So, so you're saying two was not the most accurate quarterback in the NFL? <laughs> I, I am saying that, yes. I, 
I, I think the, the the concern that I had going, and we talked about it actually before this road trip, was the Dolphins have beaten a lot of bad teams. What is this going to look like when they go on this road trip and they play a very good Niners team, they play a, a, a talented, dangerous Chargers team, and then they play the Bills? Well, we're two two legs through this three leg race. They got killed by the Niners. I mean, and Garoppolo is basically the whole game. They still got killed by him. They go play the Chargers. The Chargers have no defense. And the Chargers, I'll give them one thing. I love that the Chargers did in the game. They just challenged them. They challenged them the whole game. Like, go ahead. We're going to play man. We're going to get into your guys. Challenge them. And the Dolphins had no answer for it. They had no answer all game long. Really, that game wasn't even as close as the score indicates. I mean, the Chargers just killed them. And the, the Dolphins had that weird, crazy touchdown where the ball got fumbled and it squirts out and Hill picks it up and runs whatever it was, like 65 yards. That game was not a contest, really. Um, yeah. And then, of course, the Chargers are the Chargers. They did everything possible to make it interesting at the end. They fumble a snap at the end. They almost lose the onside kick. But, yeah, I think it's just the Dolphins are a good team. They're not a great team. Two is an improved quarterback. He's not a great quarterback at this point. And so – uh, look, you know, they've got a huge game on Saturday, man. Like, if, if they don't win that game in Buffalo, they're eight and six. You start looking at, like, are they going to make the playoffs? Mm-hmm. Are they going to get in? I think so. I think they will. But that opens the door for that conversation. I will say, in my opinion, I've been saying it for a few weeks now. Tua Tugavaloa, to an extent, reminds me almost of Jimmy Garoppolo where it's a guy who does not necessarily elevate the team, but he's not a hindrance. You can win with Jimmy G. He can take you to the to the playoffs, and we're seeing that, I think, with Tua Tagovailoa, but you have to have incredible talent surrounding him. I said Tua's the left-handed Jimmy G. I do think Tua's probably a little more talented than Garoppolo, but to an extent, I think yeah. they're very similar as far as what they do and how they affect their team. Before we get into the 49ers, I have to eat some crow. Matthew points out Sterling, what happened to Mizzou? Hashtag, I'm not going to say the hashtag because, you know, uh, I can't. Uh, But give some credit to Kansas. They destroyed, beat the brakes off my Missouri Tigers. That was not fun. That was not fun, but I will give you credit. Uh, Let's get into the Niners game. Are the Niners still a contender with Brock Purdy? They hammered the Buccaneers 35-7. to Do you still believe in them? Yeah, I, I do. Um, I'm not ready to jump on this bandwagon. I see some people jump on with Purdy that now, like, he's the next show Montana. I'm not ready to go there yet. The guy has four touchdowns and two picks, and he's been fine. Um, But I will say this about San Francisco, and I said this when Grapple got hurt. If there's any team, any contender that's built to deal with this, it's them. Because they have a great defense. They run the hell out of the ball. They don't ask a lot out of the quarterback. Right, like I still think, yes, they can do this. And actually, I'm going to take a quick left turn here for a second because this reminds me of something. So we're seeing a lot of this MVP discussion right now between Hertz and Mahomes. I think everybody kind of agrees at this juncture. It's one of those two guys. Um, and I, I by the way, I'll, I'll open this really quickly by just saying I have no problem either way. Like, if, if you want to argue Hertz, that's totally fine. If you want to argue Mahomes, that's fine. I know Mahomes threw three picks in this last game. I would. I would, though, argue pretty adamantly that Mahomes is the MVP of the league. And the reason being, Jalen Hurts has been phenomenal this year. Mahomes is throwing for like a 1,000 more yards right now. 
He's asked to do so much more for the Chiefs than Hurts is for the Eagles. And it's not to say that Hurts doesn't do a lot for Philadelphia. He does. He's elevated the heck out of them. But the Eagles have a great rushing attack, partially because of Hurts. They have an excellent defense. They have a fantastic offensive line. Chiefs have a good offensive line, not quite Philadelphia's. The Eagles have two elite receiving weapons on the outside. Mahomes is asked to do so much. Like, if you took Hurts and put him on the Chiefs, the Chiefs are still a very good team. But I don't think they're 10 and 3. They're probably like 8 and 5. Okay. If you put Mahomes on the Eagles, they, they might be like the, one of the greatest teams you've ever seen in your life. I, I think to me, Mahomes, like, people look at the picks with guys like Mahomes and with Allen. And it's fair to an extent, but it's also like, look at what the Bills ask Josh Allen to do every game. Right? Like, you're asking him to do everything. It's kind of like why Alex Smith with the Chiefs, he never threw more than like six or seven picks. They never asked him to do anything. It was like, listen, Alex, just throw the ball to, throw the ball to Debo like nine yards down the field. Get it to Mack and I'm like eight yards down the field. Throw a slant to Hill and make him make a play. It's the same reason why Tua hasn't thrown a ton of picks. If you start asking these guys to do all that, now, doesn't mean you can make some of the throws Mahomes made on Sunday. Some of those picks. Two, the last two in particular are throws you cannot make, especially, especially the last one. But I do think that Mahomes is asked to do so much more. And to me also, by the way, if he throws for 5,000 yards, 5,300 yards, and 45-plus touchdowns, I think he will, I think he's the MVP. That said, if you want to vote Hurts, I have no problem with it. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't you count, though, Jalen Hurts' rushing yards, and he has, what, 10 rushing touchdowns on the ground? He has, what, 20, 21 23 touchdowns to what two three interceptions I understand your point of Jalen Hurts he's not asked to do as much but we've seen him throw the ball he's averaging more yards per attempt last time I checked than Mahomes they're, they're even right. now they're, they're even. even now okay so I, I apologize going into this game no, I, I had yeah so it's not like Jalen Hurts is just checking the ball down we've seen nope. many many times he's going deep to Devontae Smith to A.J. Brown to Quez Watkins even. And by the way, he's had to do without Dallas Goddard for a decent chunk of the season. That's a big target for him. I'm yep. with you. Mahomes is asked to do much, much more with less, in my opinion. But I don't want to hold that against Jalen Hurts. They've lost one game. I wouldn't I wouldn't <laughs> hold it against Jalen Hurts. I would say this. To like, here's, here's what I'm driving at. So Hurts has thrown the ball 388 times this year. Mahomes has thrown it 511 times. Their completion percentages are separated by two percentage points. I mean, Hurts is at 68, Mahomes is 66. Mahomes is thrown for almost exactly 1,000 more yards, 1,003. Averages are the same. Per game, Mahomes is throwing for 80 more yards. He's thrown for 33 touchdowns. Hurts is thrown for 22. Now, yes, Mahomes is 11 picks. Hurts is three. Mahomes has taken this, – this actually really surprised me. Mahomes has taken 13 fewer sacks than Hurts has, which that, that really shocked me. Um Mahomes is the better QBR. The rating, uh, quarterback rating, the old passer rating, uh, Hurts is better by about five points. So, like I said, and, and then, of course, Hurts has the rushing yards. Hurts has rushed for uh, 686 yards and 10 touchdowns, as you mentioned. Mahomes, I don't have it in front of me, but I think he's rushed for about 300 yards, if memory serves. Uh, 280. 280, and he's only scored two touchdowns. So, my point is, I, I could go either way. Like, if you want to sit there and say you think Jalen Hurts is the guy, that's fine. I got no beef with that. Hurts has been awesome this year. He's a blast to watch. I guess my point is, even with the three picks against Denver, 
I would still take Mahomes. Well, I mean, because that was a, one of the weirdest games to handicap with the quarterback play because he three throws were awful. He also had one of the most unbelievable touchdown throws you've ever seen in your life. I like yeah, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> then he had the other throw at the end of the game to, to Schuster in the end zone, which was incredible. He threw for 360 yards against a, statistically the best pass defense in football. Right? They, they scored 34 points. So it was a very weird game because it's like, well, was he terrible? No. Was he really good? No, because he had three picks. Um, and also, I will say this. The Chiefs have played one of the three, four hardest schedules in football. The Eagles have played one of the easiest. Um, again, you go either way. I just think, for me, the degree of difficulty Mahomes deals with every week is just so unbelievably ridiculous compared to what most other quarterbacks deal with. Um, he would be my guy. But I do think we're down to a two-guy race. I don't think anybody else can win it. Correct. Correct. Uh, I would also like to point out, this is what folks and analysts were expecting Mahomes to be coming into the NFL draft no was this gunslinger who makes amazing plays. Brett Favre, it's wild that this is one of his bad days, right? This is a bad day for Mahomes, and almost any other quarterback in the NFL would have this on, on their highlight reel. That's what makes Mahomes so special. I do want to get back in the Niners very quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are the least reliant team on a quarterback yeah. I've ever seen. I mean, it's un- – in recent memory, think of it. I can't think of another team that's not as reliant on the quarterback as the Niners currently are. Can you think of any team in recent memory? Um, no. I mean – because they don't even rely on the quarterback to like run the ball. <laughs> they just don't care. Uh, no, no, probably not. This team would probably take the cake. Well, and that's why I don't think they're going to have any fall off from losing Jimmy G. They tried getting Trey Lance. They tried an unproven commodity at the start of the season, and that was going to be their guy. They were completely content with letting Jimmy G walk. And then no team wanted him. They go, all right, we might as well have him back as the backup just in case. Good thing they did. I think they're just as fine with Brock Purdy as they are with Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think there's going to be some drop-off. I see in the chat, uh, Mighty Sphinx says the Jets, they're not as reliant on the quarterback. I just don't think the Jets are nearly as good as the Niners. I think it's a fair point with Mike White, Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson went, what, 5-2 and two this year? I'm with you to an extent. I just don't think the Jets are anywhere near as good as the Niners. But in my personal opinion – this is the same Niners team with Jimmy G or Brock Purdy. I don't see any drop-off. No, I look, I mean, I, I'll be the first one. I get things wrong all the time. Picking the Bucks to win this game might have been the thing I've been most wrong about in my life. Like, I, my reasoning was literally, I think both defenses are really good. The Niners are definitely a better team, but it's Tom Brady against Brock Purdy. Turns out that was not a good reasoning uh, because Tom Brady sucked. And Brock Purdy was awesome. <laughs> so, uh, listen, I give him, I give him a lot of credit. Um, the Niners, they just keep. My my question with the Niners is going to be in a playoff game against one of these better teams, not not against some crap bag team, like against the Cowboys, the Eagles, if they get to that point. Can Brock Purdy win that game? Like, if they, if, if Garoppolo's not back yet, can Brock Purdy win that game? Maybe he can. But- Maybe but Jimmy G really couldn't either. Jimmy G was never, for the most part, asked to do that. He, he had I'm, a couple. He had a couple. I'm not a Jimmy G guy, but I will say this, though. The one difference, man, is Jimmy G's been in the league a long time. He's seen all these coverages. He's seen these coordinators. He's won these games. He beat Dallas last year. 
Mm-hmm. Like he's he's been in those spots. I am I've always been and I always will be a big believer. Experience matters in these games. It doesn't always tell the tale of the tape. We saw the Bengals get in the playoffs last year for the first time in forever and go to the Super Bowl. But I also think it helped Burrow that he won a national championship at LSU. He's played in huge games. Brock Purdy did not do that at Iowa State. So that that's one of those things that you wonder. It's why, honestly, I think Tua would be fine pressure-wise in a playoff game. Play at Alabama. Play national championship games. I mean, I, have you seen the, the fine people of Alabama, how excited they get for a Crimson Tide game? Like, So he's not going to face any more pressure in Miami than he's going to face in Tuscaloosa. I think that that stuff does matter. Um, but the Niners are good enough that, look, if Purdy doesn't make mistakes, it can beat anybody because they're just so talented everywhere else. Let's look into the future. Number one, should a sub-500 division winner make the playoffs? I don't think so. And I, and look, I've always felt like this. If you don't, If you don't go 500, you stink. You're not a good football team. Now, if you are in a conference, which they actually might be this year, although I don't think they will be, where nobody else can take your place that's above 500, fine. But if the Lions go 9-8 and eight and miss the playoffs and the Bucs win that division at 7-10, and 10, why are we rewarding the Buccaneers for geography? They suck. I don't care that they won the division – and, oh, well, you know, you got to give them a spot because you got to reward the division winner. No, I don't. Not when they're 7 and 10. Like, I, all I would do is I would just, at that point, say we've got the three division winners, one, two, three, and then we're going to just slot everybody else up. So if Dallas is the five, they're now the four, they get a home game. So on and so forth until you get to the seven, then there's your seven playoff team. I don't believe in rewarding teams for being garbage because they just so happen to play in a division with three other teams that are garbage. Like, if you if you're nine and eight, fine. There's got to be a cutoff somewhere. If you're eight and nine or worse, and there's another team that beat you out in another division, that team shouldn't get penalized because they play in a good division. Like I, I think that's crazy. And, I, and as as mighty uh, Sphinx said in the chat, I totally agree with him. It's disgraceful that Dallas will have to go to Tampa for a playoff game instead of host one. I totally agree. Dallas has kicked most teams' asses all year long. They happen to be in a division where the Eagles are just running away with it. None Dallas can do about it. Tampa Bay is a crap fest and is going to get a home playoff game. Although I will tell you that place, if that is the matchup and it looks like it will be, that will be uh, Cowboys East. Uh, but it's nonsense. Dallas shouldn't have to go on the road and play that game. Dallas should be at home playing Detroit or Washington or the Giants or Seattle. That, that's what should happen. I'm with you, but I do think it can become a slippery slope. Is 8-8-1, eight, eight and one, is that good enough? What got to be above 500. So you'd say that that's the cutoff. You're no if you're eight eight and one, you were no longer in the playoffs. Nope. Okay. Not, if, not if you're only in because you win the division. Sure. No, and I'm with you. I, I don't. I I would actually agree with the statement. You have to be above 500. I just want to make sure there's no arbitrary cutoff line. What if the division? What if let's just say the NFC South was a very difficult division? They were beating up on each other all season long. We know it's not, but there could be potentially right. down the road a season where that's the case, where every single team in there goes 500 against each other. I just so, think so it's the, a very the AFC difficult. West uh, in in July's Fantasyland, basically. Yes, <laughs> but see, but then what happened was one of those teams was like, "We're actually good," and then just beat the hell out of the rest of the division. So, 
That I hear you. I get it. But like to me, if you have a good team in the division, they're gonna rise above. They're gonna win ten games. Right. Like I the Buccaneers are embarrassing. Correct. And I gotta be honest with you, if I'm the NFL, I, I get it because of Brady, you get away with it a little bit this year. If that's a normal team that goes seven and ten, like let's let's say it's Carolina. Let's say Carolina wins that division. Mm. If you're Goodell, I'm sure you can't wait for Carolina to host a playoff game this year. Who the hell wants to watch that? You know, I, I think at some point, like, wouldn't you rather have, a, a you know, the Giants with that market? Who's, to be fair to the Giants, they've come way back to earth, but, like, they're a plucky team. They fought hard. Or the Lions, who are a great story. I'd sure as hell, even if those teams probably aren't going to win their games, I'd rather have that than watch bullshit-ass Carolina get their doors blown off by 30 points when Dallas goes in there. Like, I don't – who wants to watch – the NFC, by the way, wild card weekend is going to be great. Because the AFC is going to be insane. Yeah. They're going to have like games that normally would be like divisional games in the AFC. And then it's going to be like, hey, it's Minnesota and the Giants. It's, oh my God. The NFC is going to be brutal on Wild Card Weekend. Brutal. Although God knows you'll get some upset you'll never think will happen, but you'll get three games in the NFC with huge spreads or that nobody cares about. And the AFC, it's going to be like, oh, it's 2 7. It's, it's Bills Chargers. Oh, my God. Like, And they allowed Justin Herbert to throw the ball deep, and Mike Williams just mossing guys. Oh, it's going to be nuts. You're going to have, like, or you're gonna, you could very really, uh, realistically have, like, Bengals, Ravens, or Chiefs Chargers, or Chiefs Dolphins, like Tyreek coming to Arrowhead in the wild. I mean, you're going to have you have some games on the AFC side. With the NFC side, it's going to be, like, hey, awesome. It's, it's Washington <laughs> and Tampa. Let's get it done. Like, oh, it's going to be bad. Let's look into the future number two. Deshaun Watson has been rough. Some rust or bigger concern? I mean, I think at some point you start worrying about a bigger concern. Right now, I'd say rust. It's two games. He hasn't played in two years. I think as as much as I'm not really looking to be kind to Deshaun Watson, I think you have to be honest. Um, It's two games, and he hasn't played in forever. Um, I know he was able to practice for some, but, I mean, that's not the same. I'll tell you what, if you're the Browns, I, th- I think there is a little bit of concern in the sense that you don't have a whole lot of context to this because how many guys have ever had to sit out for two full seasons? I, you know, I don't know. I I think he'll come back and be the player that he once was. That's, I mean, that's a long time to be nailed to the sideline. That is a long time. And the question is also, like, even if it's rust, how long does the rust last? Because he's only got four games left, and then he's got a whole offseason. So, yeah, if I'm if I'm Cleveland, I think he probably ends up coming back and being fine. Um, would I be upset if this is a horrific contract that bites the Browns in the ass? No, I would not be. Uh, but two games in, he has been – he's been bad. Like Brissett's been better. Brissett has been better. Oh, not even close. Jacoby Brissett looks like Dan Marino in comparison. No question. Yeah, I will also say that's the main concern is two years off for a quarterback. That's a long, long time. Who knows if it's rust or if he's just done. I would be surprised if he's just done, but that is a long time off. And let's not get things twisted. While he was a talented quarterback – what did he do his last year in Houston? Nothing to work with. Right, Does he have a ton to work with in Cleveland? You got a Marta Cooper. Is Donovan and People Jones some elite wide receiver too? 
David Njoku's fine, but it's not like this Cleveland Browns team is loaded with talent, in my opinion. They're fine. I agree. At, at some point, it's how much better does he make them? We saw what he did in Houston with a horrible roster. He had one good team that he took to the playoffs. They lost to the Kansas City Chiefs in the playoffs. They got up, they got up big, then they choked it away. Not all on him. But it's not like we've seen this amazing track record from Deshaun where he's won in big games. It feels more or less Justin Herbert-esque. The talent's there, but some of the results have not been. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I have nothing to add. Really, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. All right, let's look into the future at number three. Will the Lions make the playoffs? I don't think so, but I would love to see it happen. And I, and I don't think it's impossible. They were one and six. They are now six and seven. They have an enormous game for both teams against the Jets on Sunday. Mm. I mean, you want to talk about honestly in terms of just impact on the on the seasons for the teams. That might be the biggest game of the weekend. You know, you could make a case it's it's Dolphins and Bills for sure. Um, you could make a case it's Giants Commanders. I mean, in terms of just the biggest impact on the on the playoff picture. Chargers, Titans, begin. there's actually a lot of games this weekend. We look at, I'd love to say Chiefs, Texans, but realistically, uh, I don't know that it has a huge impact for the Texans. But I, no, but there's a, there's a lot of games. I mean, the Niners and the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. But the Lions, if they beat the Jets at the Meadowlands, they have a shot. Like after that, it's the, it's the Panthers. And then if my memory serves me right, it's the Bears and the Packers. Yes. Like you could, you could run the table at that point. So I don't think they're going to get in. But if they beat the Jets, get back to me. That then would really change things. I said no, but I looked at the schedules that all the contending teams have. Right. Theirs seems to be the easiest. They almost have to go undefeated, realistically. They probably they're the, do. They probably right. have to go 4-0. If they go 3-1, and one, they're going to need a ton of help. Uh, you know, Washington and the Giants play each other. Uh, I believe those two teams play like the Cowboys and the Eagles. You can maybe add another loss to their guys' resume. But it comes down to they have to jump Seattle, jump New York and Washington, who again play each other. But that tie, the 7-5-1, and one, that tie really brings a lot into the equation here. That almost is going to be what keeps the Detroit Lions from making the playoffs is that tie. I think they're just on the outside looking in, but man, would this be a fun story to end the season after what you said, one and six to start? Yeah, one and six. I mean, that's crazy. Good for Detroit. Good for Dan Campbell. Good for Jared Goff, by the way. No one's talked about it. Jared Goff's had a great season. He's been tremendous. I think the only two teams, I'm like 99.9% sure on this, the only two teams that have ever made the playoffs after being one and six. uh, In fact, actually, let me Dennis. The only team to ever do it, the 1970 Cincinnati Bengals. They started one and six. They won out. They won the AFC Central that year. Uh, the Chiefs started one and five in 2015 and made the playoffs. I'm pretty sure those are the only two teams that ever saw one and five. I know the 92 Chargers started 0 and four and went to the playoffs. Um, but I, and the Lions would be doing something historic if they made the playoffs because you're, you're talking about a team that won at six. I mean, you're, and. They're going to get an unbelievable draft pick because they have the Rams pick. So the, the, it's, everything's coming up Lions for the first time since, like, <laughs> Teller TV. Um, so good for them. I'm happy for the Lions. I hope they find a way. Uh, 
Well, before we get into number four into the future, I feel like we need to bring on Ben Heisler from Bet Sided. Ben, first off, great to meet you this weekend. Yeah, great to meet you guys too. What a fantastic event. Like being able to walk into Tanner's, like it's a large sports bar over there on Rainbow, and to see like the entire place packed with everybody, not just wearing Chief stuff, but Arrowhead Attic swag. What, what an awesome experience. But uh, yeah, certainly a really fun time and, and awesome hanging out and uh, having a couple having a couple drinks with you guys, having a couple KC beers watching that game. It was- Only a couple. I, 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 had to, I had to schlep back to uh, for dinner. You guys got to have, have a few more maybe than I did. Hey, it was uh, it was crazy. Like we we got there at about nine thirty nine forty five to set up, and the bar opened at eleven. So we're in there. We're getting the tables ready, getting the mics. You know, the, you know whatever we had to do. Sterling and I were ripping up raffle tickets till the end of time. And at one point, probably around ten thirty. Um, so I forget who it was. Somebody in the wait staff came over and was like, there's a line outside. I'm like what? And there was a good, like 25, 30 people outside. Like sitting there. Wait, I, I was floored. I could not believe people got there. I couldn't believe as you point out, like by, by the time it was probably about noon, like that place was jammed. I, I, I had actually a buddy of mine text me who works for our addict. There's a writer who was like, man, I got there at two o'clock. Couldn't get in. Like it was, there's no room. There's no way to get in. Um, it was wild. I couldn't believe it. I really hope we go out there again and do it again. Uh, I'd be more than happy to go out there for a playoff game. I will be out there for the draft. With all due respect, fan side, if you're listening, I'm going out for the draft one way or the other. So, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't I, tell I, them that now that I'm gonna pay you. Oh, the, no, the key no, is no, you gotta listen. listen. You, you see, that, that's your problem. If they don't pay me, I'm I'm be on your couch. Um, but I. I I'm I'm going one way or the other. I got enough places. Like I I will say, I could never live in that city for one reason. I'd eat so much barbecue, I would die. Like it's it's oh my! Everybody has asked me, "Where's your favorite place to go?" I'm like it looks like nine places. So it, it's so like I went to Char Bar on Friday and thought I was gonna have a stroke afterwards. I ate so much food. And then Saturday we went to Joe's and we went to Q39. And, and by the way, Joe's is just unbelievable. My God. And, and Q39 is no slouch. I didn't get to, to go to Jack Stack, which is one of my favorite places to go to. We wanted to get to Gates. Didn't have the time to get to Gates. I mean, you, you just go on down the line. right? Hey, see, Sterling, there you go. Right. One, love Gates. When, the last time I went to a Chiefs game out there, we, we basically tailgated with about 20 pounds of Gates. I... It was it was awesome. It was awesome. I'm now uh, I'm now just trying to get the salt out of my body, and it, it might take about a month. Well, but it was awesome. One one of my favorite sort of underrated moments of of my opportunity to meet you guys was, you know, they always talk about Kansas City's like a it's a big little city, and you know everyone you, you kind of joke everyone knows each other, especially the outsiders. I, right. I was catching up talking to Sterling. Both both of us live here. We both live maybe about 10, 15 minutes away from each other. It was the first time the two of us had gotten a chance to hang out. Sterling went to school, went to high school with my brother-in-law. They're good buddies. So shout out to, uh, to John O'Hermanson, um, one of Sterling's buddies from, from back in the high school days, my brother-in-law, I made the connection because I was asking him like, where you live? And he's out in, you know, in the OP, I'm out in the OP. And, uh, sure enough, it is a small, small world, but, uh, good to make that connection, uh, especially on Sunday. 
Yeah, played basketball with him in high school. So a long time ago, back when I was a little more in shape. (laughs) I wouldn't call myself an athlete, but more in shape. Uh, Ben, how did we do last week? How did we do when when you – because we didn't make a lot of bets, did we? We At the game itself? Well, so if we're we're going over – the the combined bets and again I, I always make sure I, I include the, the bets that I made before we, we go live on, on Tuesdays. So we went three and two last week. Uh, lost with the Titans. That was uh, that was one that I gave at the beginning of the week. You could have found it in the, the stack in the box column on Monday. Jaguars just got the best of them and Tennessee has really struggled over the last couple of weeks. We were on the right side of Carolina at plus six. They ended up winning the game outright. Uh, we talked about that middle with the Chiefs at minus seven and a half and the Broncos plus nine and a half. Thank goodness we did that because the late move was actually uh, the correct side with Denver at plus nine and a half, unfortunately. And then we also hit with the Lions team total over 26 and a half at home against Minnesota. So a three and two week, bringing our record here on stacking the box to 28, 17 and one against the spread this year. I should listen to you, man. My dumbass goes, oh, yeah, we're riding with the Vikings. I go, don't listen to Ben. Listen to your gut, Sterling. My gut's wrong. It's indigestion. <laughs> Did not get that one. It's a shame. It's a shame. Although I was I was dubious on the Panthers, but I, I was smart enough to just say, okay, fine, I agree. And, and we, we rolled forward. No, Heisler is making people money if they've been listening to these picks. Um I, I mean, listen, you had the Vikings. I, I thought that Brock Purdy was going to lose to Tom Brady, and uh, that that did not happen. So, the, you know what? The, this is life. Um, week 15, right, so we were talking about it. It's actually a really good week of games. There's a lot yeah. of games that really matter in the playoff picture. What are some of the things you're looking at here? The three games that I'm on, and we'll, we'll get to them in a little bit, but I there's been some weird movement over the course of the week. Um, we're, we're seeing a lot of movement in favor of the Broncos uh, as of late. And again, that's, that's still not really knowing whether Russell Wilson's going to play, but I, I think nobody I'm wants to have play. anything to do with the Arizona Cardinals right now, given what they saw last night. Um, we're seeing a lot of movement actually towards the Chicago bears. Um, they open up the week just under a, a double digit underdog at home against the Eagles. That line is now down to eight and a half. Um, I, I think the reason for that might be, Eagles don't really need this game. Like this, this kind of feels like the the quintessential trap game this week, because next week you have the Cowboys and take care of them. You're basically cakewalking into the number one spot in the NFC. The bears, if you recall, had their best win of the season when they trounced the new England Patriots coming off of their mini buy. They made a lot of adjustments. All of a sudden they let Justin Fields run. I I don't think they're going to beat the Eagles considering that Vegas still has him as, eight and, as an eight-and-a-half-point dog and they're actively tanking this season. But there is some, some movement in their direction for this week. Um, and we also saw a massive drop in the total. Uh, hopefully you guys read Verderam's Stack in the Box column on Monday. Um, I, I just happened to be on the right side of that one. I was fortunate because I took the under uh, on the uh, New York Jets game at home against the Detroit Lions at 48. Guys, that number's down to 44 and a half. So I, I think a lot of folks, a lot of pros, uh, recognizing that now that the game is moving away from Ford Field, it's going to be a whole different type of outcome for the Lions and Jared Goff this week. So that's that's some of the movement there. But you want to start with the Thursday night game, guys? Because we actually have a, an intriguing matchup on a Thursday sure. night, which uh, is not it's not hasn't been uh, often the case this year. 49ers 
off the absolute beatdown of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home, go on the road on a short week to Seattle. Um, total in that game, 43 and a half. The Niners are a three and a half point favorite on the road. I know that there was a lot of people that saw what happened last week with Seattle and said, there's, there's concern here. Maybe they're starting to look like the actual Seattle team that we anticipated being one of the worst teams in the league. The defense is back to really struggling and being inconsistent. When you let Sam Darnold throw all over you, that's a bit of a problem. Right. Conversely with the 49ers, they're also getting a lot of love right now for Brock Purdy on a one game, one and a half game sample size. The way I'm sort of looking at this game right now is even if Seattle wins, yeah, they're, they're one game back with that loss to the Panthers, but it's absolutely a game that they need probably more so than the 49ers. 49ers going on a short week on the road. I, I know Purdy looked awesome, but again, I think this game in Seattle this might have been a situation where the Seahawks might have been looking ahead a little bit to this game. And I, I expect them to be able to make it a lot closer than, than maybe what folks might anticipate from what we saw both teams last week. I'm not going to overreact to the 49ers win, and I'm not going to overreact to the Seattle loss. I think if I had to take this game right now, I'd probably lean on Seattle at plus three and a half at home on Thursday night. I'm with you. Um, look, Seattle's lost three or four, and they have not played well. They lost to Tampa in Munich. Then they had the bye. They came home. They lost to the Raiders, get 40 points. They barely beat the Rams. And they lost to Carolina, giving up 30. Like my, my concern with them right now is that defense is starting to be a disaster again. Um, that said, they lost three out of four earlier this year and then ripped off four straight wins. Um, so that's not impossible. The other thing is, look, if you're Seattle, you're seven and six, you have got to win this game. I mean, forget the division. You've got to win. You've got to win this game. Because after this, you go to Arrowhead, and so if you're if you're the Seahawks, like this is a kitchen sink, everything everything you got, you know, you finish with three out of four at home, you get the Niners at home, then the Chiefs on Christmas Eve at Arrowhead, home to the Jets, home to the Rams. Um, if you can win this game, you could probably lose to the Chiefs, and then beat the Jets and the Rams at home. It just won't be easy, but you could win the game and get yourselves to ten wins. You lose this game, there's a very real shot. You're seven and eight coming back for those two home games, and you're going to need a lot to break your way. So um, I'm with you. I don't know that Seattle's going to be able to find a way to beat San Francisco, but I think it's going to be a very close game. They just don't look good. They, th- this looks they like look they, they've come back down to earth. Geno Smith still threw three touchdowns, right? That's a positive takeaway. But the Niners' defense is legitimately stifling we mentioned earlier on, doesn't matter who the quarterback is, Brock Purdy, Jimmy G, Trey Lance, uh, put you back there. They don't rely on the quarterback to win ball games. I don't see how they slow down San Francisco. The team of the Buccaneers, they're not uh, elite defensively by any means. They're better than Seattle. As much as I want to roll with the fun story of Seattle and hopefully they make the playoffs, I just don't see it happening. I think I think San Fran wins this game and pretty pretty handily. They were impressive. Like it's one thing to make Fox say, you know what, we don't want to embarrass our future number one analyst and cut away from that game uh, in the middle of getting absolutely trounced. So what happened that week with Purdy and the rest of the 49ers absolutely showing up was was fairly remarkable. At the same time, a lot of trends suggest that these home teams on Thursday night, especially when you're getting more than three and a half, uh, are a favorable bet. 
So Sterling, I'm with you. Like, there's no doubt right now that the 49ers are the better team, the more complete team. Um, but to Verderam's point, they went at one point in the first three, four games of the year where their defense was one of the worst in the NFL to being a top three team in yards per play from their opponents. So can they, they play adjustments? Absolutely. And I'd feel honestly, you know, less good. or I wouldn't feel as good about it if it was Garoppolo instead of Purdy, but I'm not ready to, to come out and say, I, I would take Purdy over Geno Smith this year when the sample of Geno has been very, very good to this point. I, I think this is a game, like you said, Ferdinand, where they throw out the kitchen sink and, and they make it awfully, awfully close. So that was one that caught my eye for this week. The other one that caught my eye, I suppose there's two. A game that I don't think any of us had circled on our calendars for, hey, week 15, you're going to want to pay attention to the Lions and the Jets. But here we are, boys. The Lions and the Jets, even though it's a non-conference game, it's substantial playoff implications for both teams. They're on the outside looking in. The Jets right now just got passed up last week by the Patriots. The Patriots ran out of the seventh seed. Um, with a win this week, puts the Jets in a better position moving forward, even though it doesn't necessarily move them up in the standings, but a win is a win. And you have a Lions team right now that's one of the hotter teams in the NFL. They've won six straight and covered six straight against the spread. Their offense has been electric, but you also have to remember that they've been at home since Thanksgiving. And with the total going from 48, which remember the Lions have been one of the better offensive teams in the NFL for the last three weeks, to this game being in New York, we have seen a massive drop-off in the total going from 48 down to 44 and a half. And depending on what book you look at, you can either get them at a pick them or the Lions plus one or the Lions, Lions minus one. And I'm all over the Jets this week. I'll talk about it in a little bit. Jets are one of my favorite plays. I already took the under in this game. Jared Goff away from an indoor stadium has been terrible. Not just, not just this year, mostly throughout his career, since the Super Bowl year in Los Angeles. And this is by far and away the best defense he's going to face all throughout the season. I, I like the Jets here, especially if Mike White's able to give it a go. This is a matchup that I think suits them very well. And I think you're going to see a very different Jared Goff this week in week 15. I will say something I also didn't think I would ever say in a million years. I think this game hinges a lot on Mike White. Like, <laughs> is, is, is Mike White healthy? Because I got to say, he can throw the ball. Like, I don't know that I think he's like a franchise-level quarterback, but Mike White got some guts, can actually sling it. You can tell that the guys believe in him, like just the way they play around him. If this is Joe Flacco or like Zach Wilson's return, I have deep worry. Um, I, I'm going to be very honest. I have no idea what to do with this game. None. Like I, I kind of tend to agree with you, Isler. That I think if I had to pick a side, I'd probably take the Jets. But I also don't know, like, how much is Jamison Williams being back? Does that matter to the Lions? Like, does it affect things? I, I don't know. I don't know what to do with this game. So. Um, I like your pick of the under, though, because I, I think the Jets might be very much a, a wounded animal offensively. And and I don't know, with Detroit on the road, um, you know, forever they hadn't won any games on the road. Then they beat the Bears, they beat the Giants. They did have 31 points in both those games. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it is a game where the, you know, the Bears' defense is not good, the Giants' defense is whatever. I could see this game being you know 23-20. to 20. So I wouldn't take a side. I'd probably go with you. I'd probably take the total and just take it under. I'm going to go with Ben here. Uh, 
we, we mentioned the Niners not being dependent on a quarterback. The Jets, to an extent, aren't really either. They went five and two with Zach Wilson. Yep. Zach Wilson's been horrendous. Mike White, as exciting as he's been, if he's that injured, you almost don't want him to go. How efficient is he going to be? They just need to check it down. They have some solid wide receivers for the Jets. They they find ways to get it done. And I'm with you as far as Jared Goff going on the road. This Jets defense, I've said all season long, they might be the best defense in the NFL. It could be a bad day for Jared Goff. I like the under, though. So I guess to an extent, I'm agreeing with both of you guys. The, the one other thing that I find to be concerning with Detroit is the continued limited usage for DeAndre Swift. Jamal Williams didn't have a good game last week, and that was against the Vikings team that's been bad against the run really all season long. Been, you know, leading the NFL in touchdowns, and, and that's a guy that just did not show up last week. That was a big passing game from, from both sides. Unless I start to see more of DeAndre Swift, I, I'm still going to have some hesitation with Detroit because that's arguably, other than Amon Ross St. Brown, their, their best, most electric weapon in multiple areas of, of that team. And so if he's still not 100% healthy, I, I think that gives another edge to the Jets in this matchup. And again, I, to, to your point, Matt, I, I think knowing whether or not Mike White is going to be playing will have an enormous impact on this game. If he's out, I could see the, the Lions being maybe a two-point favorite on the right. I don't think he gets to three. So watch out for where these numbers are, and you're going to see them kind of flip back and forth throughout the course of the week, uh, especially with both books having each side as a favorite and, and as an underdog, but something to definitely keep in consideration. Final game. The two worst teams in the NFC East are playing on Sunday night football, and it's actually a compelling matchup. Giants and Commanders rematching from the, uh, the tie from uh what is it a week or so ago total in that game was 40 and a half bit surprised to see washington as a four-point favorite at home but i also think that is in large part due to saquon barkley being nowhere near 100 percent. now i don't know how much better he's going to be having some rest not really playing a whole lot of snaps in the game last week once they were getting blown out they basically said all right you're done let's not make this any worse than it needs to be so maybe he heals up a little bit. Maybe he has a, a solid performance. I can also tell you that Daniel Jones's record against the spread on the road is significantly better than his record at home. And he's also been terrific covering the spread as an underdog over the course of his career. That makes me more likely to side with the Giants at plus four. I also think this is a game where at 40 and a half, you're getting a good number on the total. You don't want it to get it to 41. That's a pretty key number. I don't mind the over guys. I think you'll see some more points between these two teams, especially with having a little bit more confidence in the quarterback position and the weapons around them. And even with Saquon not at 100% for the Giants, Darius Slayton stepped up for this passing game. Uh, You've seen more opportunities um, with the rest of their wide receivers, uh, even when they've missed some guys. Jones has always a threat to run and get into the end zone. I, I know this game was supposed to go over last time. It didn't. But I do like the over in this game at 40 and a half. I think you're getting the right side of a number that's eventually going to move to 41. I'm fine with it. I, for me, this is another one of these games. And there's a lot of them this week where I, I would feel very uneasy taking a side because I don't know. Washington's off a bye. The Giants really outplayed Washington in a lot of that game a week ago. I mean, they really did. Um, but I trust Heineke a little more than I trust Daniel Jones, but I also like, don't really trust either of them. 
Um, I think it's funny. Like the tie, the tie was twenty to twenty, so Vegas was like, "F it, forty and a half." <laughs> they just packed on that extra point there. Like, That's fine. Um, I like the over. I if I had to take a side, I think the Giants just to, just because they're getting the points. Like game, yeah, games, I, I, you I know, think that makes a lot of sense. Anytime I feel like these games are just really tight in terms of like the quality of the team, just give me the team to get to get points. You know, and I think it could be a game very much so that's you know twenty four twenty one, something like that. This game's going to come down to which one of these quarterbacks makes a big mistake. That's what this game's going to be about. It's going to be you know, one of them throwing a ball like Heineke. Every once in a while, he's like that. He's kind of like J.R. Smith was with the Knicks, where like he'd be riding a heater, and you're like, "Give him the ball, give him the ball," and then like all of a sudden, like you could see it in his eyes and his body language. Like J.R. was pulling up from 35 feet out with 20 on the clock. Be, oh my God, no, pass it! And then he just he just fire one into the crowd. And like, all right, heater's over. Like that's a concern I have with Heineken in this game. He's feeling it for like four passes. And he's like, I can get that ball in there between the corner and the safety. And it's just a pick six the other direction. Meanwhile, Daniel Jones, like he holds the balls at times forever. So you're always worried. Like, is this the play where Chase Young, who's I think going to be back, comes around the edge and just rips the ball out of his hands. Whoever makes that mistake, is probably going to lose their, their team in the game. So I think it's a pretty even game. Otherwise. Hmm. Yeah, I think so, too. Richie James getting involved for the Giants because yeah. the Giants need some wide receivers. Getting him involved was obviously big for them last week. I don't know. I will defer to you, Ben. Uh, I'm done using my own. I've said, what, 17 weeks That's in a row basically now. I keep saying I'm done using what I'm going to think and just go with whatever Ben thinks. And then last minute when I actually bet on my website, I'm sitting here like, I'm a fucking buffoon. <laughs> Why did I not listen to Ben? I'm listening to you, Ben. Whatever you say goes. All right. So, so in the interest of full transparency, as we're going through these these noteworthy games, the only game of these top three that I have actually wagered on so far is the Lions and the Jets. Have not placed a wager on the 49ers and Seahawks. I'll probably take Seattle plus three and a half. Um, and again, leaning on the over for Giants and Commanders. And again, it, for anybody that's that's interested in, in knowing what these picks will be. Um, you can always follow us at BetSided and also on, on my BetStamp account where everything is posted in, in real time. Having said that, should we go ahead and, and give the people our best bets of the week? Do it. All right. So mentioned the Lions and the Jets. I know that number is not at 48 anymore, but it was submitted. You read it on Verderam's column on Monday. To me, that's still a noteworthy pick. It still counts for the stack in the box show. We'll take the Lions and the Jets under 48. I also like the Jets' money line. In this game, even if, if Mike White doesn't play, I, I'm still going to lean on the Jets and just hopefully I can get them at a better number. But I did already bet the Jets on the money line here at minus 107 at points bet. Cowboys and Jaguars, game that also is now up to 47 and a half. I personally bet this game at 46 and a half, but I still think over 47 and a half, even though you're passing through that key number of 47, is a worthwhile play. Jaguars look terrific on the offensive side of the ball. Their offensive line is starting to look much, much better. Lawrence has done a much better job of getting the ball out. He's also, they're moving him a little bit more in the pocket, taking advantage of his athleticism. And as you saw last week, Dallas is missing some guys in their secondary. They're still going to apply a lot of pressure on Jacksonville, but I think you're going to see points on both sides here. Uh, Jacksonville has not had a good, uh, done a good job stopping the run. Uh, Zeke, Pollard, both of them should have terrific days. 
uh, in that matchup. I think it's going to be a nice little shootout over in Duval County. And then there's the final one for you guys. We're going to do a little teaser action. We're going to take the Patriots. We're plus one and a half this week. Uh, New England is on the road against the Raiders in the Bill Belichick versus Josh McDaniels game. Uh, Patriots somehow underdogs in that game. Not entirely sure why. Then you have the Steelers plus two and a half on the road. We're going to move them to plus eight and a half against the Carolina Panthers. Uh, I, I know that Steve Wilkes has done a terrific job this year in, in getting Carolina to start playing better. But it's still Mike Tomlin versus Steve Wilkes. It's still Bill Belichick against Josh McDaniels. Go ahead and give me six extra points on the side of of two of the best coaches of this generation, if not Belichick being the greatest coach of all time. To me, this is a no-brainer. You get it past the key numbers of three and seven. You get two teams that have historically been terrific as underdogs, especially on the road with Pittsburgh. To me, this is a no-brainer teaser. Patriots to seven and a half against up against the Raiders on the road Steelers plus two and a half to eight and a half uh, against the Carolina Panthers on the road this week. Couldn't couldn't agree more. Uh, I was just looking at that Raiders pass line and I was just completely flummoxed. I look, I get it. Like the Pats are not going to scare anybody. They just offensively, they, they can't do anything other than run the ball occasionally. Did anybody else see the Raiders on Thursday night football? Did anybody else see the Raiders the entire rest of the season? Like, look, I, I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to alarm anybody. So if you're driving, listening to this podcast, I'm going to pull over before this. Josh McDaniel sucks. Like, I, I don't know who needed to hear that and, and be freed emotionally. <laughs> he sucks. He's been a lousy coach everywhere he has been that does not involve Tom Brady everywhere. He is Adam Gase, just from New England. There's no reason to think otherwise. He was in Denver, started out 6-0 and on one of the wildest starts you'll ever see in your life. He then immediately cratered that entire franchise to the point that he lasted another year in change where they fired him midseason in his second year. Okay, They traded away Cutler. They lost Brandon Marshall. That team imploded from the inside out and was only saved by the weirdest Tebow mania thing you've ever seen in your life, and then Peyton Manning being like, yeah, I'll go to Denver. That's it. Like, Josh McDaniels tanked that franchise. He then went to the Rams as an offensive coordinator and was abominable. Like, I understand the team wasn't good. They were the worst offense in the league. They were averaging 12 points a game. Okay? So then he did what every failed New England coach does. He crawled back to Foxborough on his hands and knees and said, thank you, Mr. Belichick, for another opportunity. And he did what any good coach would do, or a bad coach would do, around Tom Brady. He just stood there and watched Tom Brady do a really good job. Like, And then Brady left, and oh, look at that. The Pats offenses sucked for years. Newton was a terrible quarterback for them before he was done. Okay, Mac Jones, a guy. And now the Raiders who spent a, a fortune all offseason bringing Devontae Adams, re-sign Waller and, and Renfro to big extensions, or I should say extend them. Um, they went out and spent all this money. They stink. They stink to high heaven. They have blown a 17-0 lead to Jacksonville, a 17-0 lead to Kansas City, a 20-0 lead to Cliff Kingsbury at home, 
They they lost to Jeff Saturday, and then they lost a 16-3 lead with four minutes left to the Rams. Like, you could I couldn't take Belichick fast enough to win this game. I don't care. Line, none of it matters. Where the game is, none of it matters. If Belichick loses to McDaniels, I, I will be on the floor if that happens. Like, same reason I thought the Pats would beat the Cardinals last night. It's Belichick and Kingsbury. They're not losing that game. I, I know Murray got hurt. I don't think it would have mattered, frankly. Um, yeah, all day. All day with the end of the teaser. I agree. <laughs> really quickly, in the middle of our conversation, you guys, already a bunch of line movement on this game. Now, again, I don't think it's entirely the stacking the box community getting on their phones and, and moving the lines collectively across Vegas and, and elsewhere. But uh, Patriots now are, are no longer available as a one-point favorite. They're pretty much minus one universally. So if that concerns you, if you don't want to move it from, from minus one to, to plus five, and again, I, I still think it's reasonable, but most people, when they use the teasers, they like to move it past three and seven. I think another team that you can go on with that teaser is the Titans on the road against the Chargers. I think you can move Tennessee. Um, right now, I see FanDuel, BetMGM, Caesars. They're all at plus three. You can move them to plus nine. You have a DraftKings account. You can move it from plus two and a half to, to plus eight and a half. Same thing with points bet. I, I think the Titans are not as bad as the team that we've seen over the last couple of weeks. Um, Traylon Burks being hurt was, was pretty serious for them. Um, and it's the Chargers. So you know they're going to make it relatively close to a one possession game. You moving it to eight and a half or nine, I, I think puts you in that category. So if you can't get the, the good line that you want for the Patriots, I think you can substitute in that teaser the uh, the Tennessee Titans and feel pretty good about it. Don't don't overthink this. Stay with stay with the Pats and the Raiders. The, my my God, that coaching matchup. It's it's like having Belichick coaching as a high school kid. Just stay with that. So, so, so how much Verderam are you throwing down on this? Zero. Um, but uh, if if I were uh, I don't know a journalistically able to bet on this, uh, not nothing because. I'm a big believer in who is your coach and who is your quarterback, especially as the games become later in the year and they really matter. Like, I, I have nothing against Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr's actually been underrated throughout his career. Josh McDaniels is just a bomb. Like, I, I don't understand why he's a job as a head coach. I just don't get it. Like, if I'm one of those people, and I, I have been one of those people, and I'm sure will be this offseason, who says a guy like Eric Bianami can't get a job. Cannot get a job. And I don't care what the you know reasonings are in terms of like when people try to explain it away. You're going to tell me that you wouldn't give a job to Eric Bieniemy as a head coach at first time, give him a shot over a guy like McDaniels? For what? What is the re- – and, and that, I'm just using Bieniemy as an example, by the way. Like Steve Wilkes, to me, should get to keep that job in Carolina. He's done a really good job. The team has said nothing but glowing things about him. Like what? But then, you, you know, so – then, you know, the minority hires are so few and far between the NFL. And then Josh McDaniels gets a job. And you're like, why? And you got to listen to all these people all year, all offseason, breathlessly tell you, but I'll tell you what, you know, he's really, he's ready for a second opportunity. The fuck he is. He stinks. They're five and eight. They can't win a game. The only time they can win is if they don't get a lead by two touchdowns. I, I to me... I couldn't be moved off. I don't care if the line moves in favor of New England and you're teasing it to like four. I don't care. 
New England's a better team playing for something. The Raiders just lost to the friggin' Rams of 13 points with four minutes left. Oh, all day, all day, all day, New England. So, so if, if that's the case too, Verderam, then you might as well, I think, the better value then becomes just taking the Patriots on the money line. Like That's fine. You can take them. That's fine too. You can take them. Take them every way you can. Yeah, they're minus one, normal odds pretty much everywhere on the book. It's a little bit less at points bet. Um, and by the way, you can check out Stack in the Box, bet-sided. Uh, if you haven't signed up for any of these books yet, you can get in on all the different promos that are being offered. You just have to go to these websites and uh, and check them out, whether it be Betsided or Arrowhead Addict or Stack in the Box, Fansided, whatever. It's all available for you. But if you are looking for – and that way, you know, you're not paying the, the cost of a teaser, which is usually minus 120 odds. Might as well just take New England money line minus 115 or minus one at that point. But I'll tell you what, you could you could take him on the money line in a separate bet and then just also throw him in the teaser. Okay. Should we do that? Should, should we go ahead and, and make that a, a, a pick of the show and lock that in as soon as I'm done with you guys? Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm feeling good about it. Awesome. I'm in. I, I, I obviously feel good. Oh, are you in, Vertoram? I had no idea. I didn't know your thoughts. <laughs> right, we're going, we're going, we're adding Patriots money line. Uh we're adding Patriots money line to our bets. So we got Five on the board, gentlemen, for, for week 15. Uh, okay. And again, good week. Three and two, 28, 17, and one against the spread. Um, I, I think we can continue it through the rest of the year. Let's do it. Awesome. Completely in. All in. All right. What's going on at Bet Sided? Everything. Bowl season starts this week over in college football. And uh, our guy, Reed Wallach, over on the uh, early read this week is talking to former ESPN college game days betting expert, Chris, the bear Felica. Yeah. It's going to be on this week pumped about that conversation. He's uh, on his way uh, reportedly over to Fox sports. I'm not, don't think he's really talked about it with anybody. So that side and fan side, he'll have the opportunity to talk to him about it uh, up close and personal, which is very exciting. So we'll have betting plays on all the different college bowl games. Of course, for week 15, you can find a lot of our best bets, for the NBA and NHL over at Fansided. We've been putting some more content out on the Fansided Network as well. So make sure you guys check us out. And uh, it's a, the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, you got bowl games, you got NFL, you got basketball, uh, and you got the holidays. So let's let's go ahead and uh, enjoy the rest of the uh, month of December and get some winners. Let's do it. Well, I right, so thanks so much, man. We got one more show here before uh... – before I think we take a, a one week break because of the holidays and everything else going on with, with Hanukkah and Christmas and so on and so forth. So um listen, we got we got a lot going on here. The rest of the year is jam-packed between football, the holidays, um, and just and just trying to uh well actually, you know what? It's good news. My my uh, the family scale it, it it like it busted a couple of days ago. So when I get on the scale now, it's just over 144 pounds, which is I haven't weighed 144 pounds, I think, since I was literally probably in like sixth grade. Um, so that's good. I'm going to keep that scale to the holidays. <laughs> Make, I'm going to get on big ding, 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 pound. And then I'm going to get on a real scale, like January 2nd. It's going to be like, Oh, look at that. I'm actually like hundred pounds more than the other scale set. You know, you know what you need um, to do is you need to do some sort of uh like a weight loss competition where you get on a regular scale. <laughs> and then when you weigh in at the end of the competition, you use your scale. Just saying. Dude, funny. <laughs> um, that's 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 a great call. That's a great call. Uh, there's a there's a story to that, but we don't have the time. All right, hey, Isa, thanks so much, man. Really appreciate it. Let's uh, let's cast a few of those bets this week. All right, fellas, be good. Take care. All right, so 
Um, I know Heisler usually he's a busy man on like the two of us has to go do stuff. Um, I in college now in college I weighed oh my God two ten. Now I'm not two ten, um, but I remember they did a they did a pro. Remember that show? It's called like the Biggest Loser. Oh yeah. Okay, yeah. So the school ran a I don't know if you call it a promotion, a contest, whatever. Where it was like, there. So in our on our campus, a lot of the buildings on campus, you had six people to a room. Like you had you had a common room, a bathroom, and three bedrooms, right? So they ran a competition where it was like a whole semester, and you had to weigh in. I think it was like September first or something. The weigh in, and then all six of you, and then it was like which room could lose the most weight. So, so okay. that's unfair. What? what that's right. bullshit. Come on. Okay, I, but- I'm getting some sturdy guy in my place. I'm going to have him just hit the treadmill. Right. So we were a room of guys who I wouldn't say any of us were. Well, uh, now uh, <laughs> I'm trying to be fair and I'm trying to be nice. Sturdy. You, you, you were sturdy. Well, I was 6'2", 210. So at the time, like I was, I was a bag of milk. Like I, that would be my physique, right? I just, I, I, I didn't really lift weights. I wasn't fat. I just was kind of like whatever. Um, but we had like nobody in the room was like thin, but nobody also was like morbidly obese either. So we were like, all right, look, collectively between the six of us, the uh, the prize was like I, I, I forget what it was. it was like. It was pretty significant. Like it was a monetary prize. So we we're like, we should definitely try to do this. And I remember before we went, like before we went, we ate like a ton of food. We we're drinking water like crazy. Like we we're trying to get our weight up as much as we could. So the whole semester, we actually stuck to, to a decent degree. I mean, we went out and, and, and partied and whatnot, but we, for the most part, were pretty good. And we all lost weight except for one of the guys in the room who was the guy who like was the biggest. Like we all got to do this. Come on, all, you know, rah rah. That son of a bitch gained like 10 pounds. And he cost us the fr- – oh, we wanted to kill him. We were so pissed. I remember the last week before we had to weigh in, it was, I think it was like December 1st, we were eating nothing but like corn and broccoli. Like it was ridiculous. We're starving ourselves, trying to lose as much weight as possible. And that son of a bitch weighs in. Is after after we – I can't believe I gained weight. I'm like, I'm going to kill you. I'm like <laughs> – like, we've been dying trying to lose weight, you know. And, and so, in any event, that, that reminded me of that thing with the scale because now, I mean, now some of it, thank God, is muscle, but some of it is not. Now I'm rocking about 240, I think, these days. But uh, in any event, yeah, that was, a, that was a fun time. Although not in the moment. In the moment, we actually did want to kill him because we lost by like five pounds. Oh. I, I, we, were, we were pissed. Oh, <laughs> chop like, off a forearm. Yeah. You, you, we were literally like you you all you had to do is not do anything. If you had just done nothing, we would have won. Oh, it was yeah. He he was uh he's also the kind of person that if, if you told him you climbed Mount Everest, he's climbed it twice and he did it backwards. So oh god, just uh the worst. Anyway. Um all right. What's going on in your life? Oh, college basketball getting into full swing. I know I talked about it. I had to give KU the props. Mizzou getting wrecked, but I do love college basketball season. Last night, what was what was I doing? Flipping between Monday Night Football, watching Creighton Arizona State. You know why? Because it's on, 
and games are close. Came down to the wire. Hurley's team moving to 10 and one. Creighton's six and five, but Creighton's a fun team to watch. I love college basketball. Always a game on, always something intriguing happening. This time of year, it really starts picking up. We're about to start getting the SEC, Big 12, Big 10 uh, division games starting to happen. Conference games, I should say, starting to happen in the next, what, two weeks, week or so. That's when the games really start picking up. A lot of fun. All right. So here's where I, I take issue with college football. Okay. And Heisler actually brought it up, and I was going to bring this up. So I saw a commercial this morning. It's like, bowl season's here, and it starts on Friday. Can I be the guy who says that outside of about six bowl games, I absolutely hate bowl season because none of these teams deserve to be in a bowl? That's not a hot take. That's a normal take. (laughs) I know, but I'm going somewhere with this. So, you know, the first game, in case you're jacked up for this game, is the hometown lenders Bahamas Bowl between Miami of Ohio and UAB, okay? And also, as part of a doubleheader on Friday, the Duluth Trading Cure Bowl with UTSA and Troy. Now, I'm not going to sit here and give you the matchups of every one of these games, but I'm going to read the names of these ball games. And just by the names alone, the people involved should be brought up on charges, okay? It's the most embarrassing thing there is. All right, Saturday, December 17th. I hope you're sitting down for these. The Wasabi Fenway Bowl, the Cricket Celebration Bowl, the New Mexico Bowl, the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl presented by Stifle, the Lending Tree Bowl, the R, the SRS Distribution Las Vegas Bowl, and the Frisco Bowl. Monday, only have one, the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Okay, Tuesday, December 20th. This might be per- a personal favorite. The second one of the two. The famous Idaho Potato Bowl, which is famous to no one. And this is a good one. Between Liberty and Toledo in Boca Raton. The RoofClaim.com Boca Raton Bowl. Okay. Wednesday, December 21st, the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. Thursday, December 22, the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl, Baylor and Air Force. I won't make fun of it because it's the Armed Forces. Friday. Oh, Friday. Oh, oh, my God. Your school's involved in it. The Friday, December 23rd schedule, the Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl, which somehow has a better name than the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl <laughs> with Wake Forest and your bullshit-ass Mizzou Tigers. Okay. M-I-Z, brother. God. Saturday, December 24th, the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl. Thank God Christmas we get a break. December 26th, the Quick Lane Bowl. 27th, the, I think I'm pronouncing this right, the Camilla Bowl, and then the Serve Pro First Responder Bowl, not to be outdone three hours later by the Ticket Smarter Birmingham Bowl, and then the Guaranteed Rate Bowl, and a quadruple header that might make you jump off your roof. Wednesday, December 28th, Military Bowl presented by uh, Paraton. Then we've got the AutoZone Liberty Bowl, Kansas and Arkansas. And then a personal favorite of mine. Used to just be called the Holiday Bowl when it had some dignity and self-respect. Now, the San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl. And the nightcap, the Tax Act Texas Bowl. 
where's Beefo Brady's? Why have I not gotten to Beefo Brady's yet? That was always my favorite. That was the the go to the Beefo Brady's Bowl. Not, not not there yet. I don't even know if it's on the schedule. I'm just going right down the list. Thir- if I have to suffer through this, we're all going to hear the names of these things. Thursday, December 29th, another awesome one. Syracuse and Minnesota in Yankee Stadium. The Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl. Then we've got the Cheez-It Bowl. Can you imagine? You're Oklahoma and Florida State, two of the great programs ever. You're in the Cheez-It Bowl. Have some dignity and just decline a bowl game, for the love of Christ. Then the, the Valero Alamo Bowl. Okay, then on Friday, the Duke's Mayo Bowl, the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. Wait, the Duke's Mayo Bowl, I'm pretty sure the winning coach gets dunked in mayonnaise. Yes, they do. The Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. Notre Dame is in the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. God Almighty, just fold the program. Then you've got the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl. And then, of course, you finally, mercifully, at least you get a real game here. It's, it's, it's sponsored by Capital One. We have the Orange Bowl, Tennessee and Clemson. It's a real game. And then I love that on Saturday, we've got to be put through the bowels of hell on New Year's Eve with Iowa and Kentucky, the Trans-Perfect Music City Bowl. And then, of course, you actually have the All-State Sugar Bowl, which is a real game with Alabama and Kansas State. The Monday, January 2nd, the Relia Quest, Mississippi State, Illinois game. You have the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl. The second time, by the way, Cheez-It's been involved in a bowl game. LSU and Purdue. Uh, and then you have the Cotton Bowl. Fair enough. USC and Tulane. Tulane's a great story. Rose Bowl, great game. Okay, so that's the that's the full list. And I did exclusive, of course, the college football playoff game. All right. So that's where we're at. I mean, 95% of this shit. Have, have some class. Hey, Notre Dame, would you like to play in the uh, whatever the hell it was, the tax slayer ball? No, we would not. We will stay home. We'll raise tuition on these other poor bastards and we'll make up the difference. No, we are not going to play in the tax slayer ball because we're Notre Dame. Somewhere Newt Rockney's trying to come back from the grave to fight everybody involved in this decision. I will say it's fun for players, though. Come on. I I agree. It's participation trophies. But for all the players, they get a whole bunch of free stuff. They get a free trip. They get to go party for a weekend. Uh, It it, it is fun. Like, I understand. It it means nothing. The games don't mean anything. It, It is a participation trophy. But if you're a player, this is it can be fun. I will say that. It can be fun. I, I want. I want college basketball to do this with all the March Madness games. Like, have a different name for every one of the, the like, first two rounds of games. Like, I want Kevin Harlan to have to go, welcome into the 7-10 matchup between Ole Miss and Wake Forest. Today's 7-10 game is the, I don't know, the Alamo Car Rental Spectacular. And we're playing the game in – a Ponderosa, where they've where they've <laughs> taken out the tables and put down a floor. Like, I want that for all the, the games, you know? And, like, maybe as, like, you get further on, like, the games get more, like, an actual, like, a real name. But I want to be like, it's the H&R Block Craptacular. Like, and it's just, like, the 314 matchup. I'm all Look, Welcome to Joe's Barbecue and Foot Massage. This is what this matchup is, baby. That's right. I want, I just, play, and I want the teams to have to accept the game. Like, it's like, you you know, you have Selection Sunday. It's the 413 matchup. 
And it's like, and Greg Gumbel's got to go to where they have like the camera on the school. And go, hey, kids, are you ready to go to, to Anaheim and to play in, in whatever the hell, you know, what, uh, in, in the uh, in the Arby's Bowl? Because, and then like, I want all the kids, like, like somebody, like, they, they may be determined this the night prior. So you can have an Arby's representative there on, on site and just wailing roast beef and cheddar at the kids. Like, hey, kids, eat up. We're playing the Arby's Bowl on Tuesday. Well, you get to have the special in there, too. Welcome to the Arby's two for five dollar euro special. You got to make sure they know what's going on. You know, know, and like have like make it interesting. Gambling's legal in most states now. Like, look, put it in a state you can gamble and say, look, if the total for the game, you got to make it high. Like, if the total for the game hits 170 and goes over, everybody here gets lifetime Arby's, you know, like. (laughs) Everybody in the crowd. So the crowd's just furiously rooting for it all, right? Like, yeah, Sean chimes in from the producer's ball. The Wendy's heart attack ball, right? Like, and it's just, you're just throwing like sour cream at the kids, right? With the <laughs> potato coming. I, I'm here for all of it. Like, just sell out to an ungodly extent. Come By the way. Ball has room to grow in this regard. I will say that idea of free shit to give away is the absolute best. The Sixers do this. If a guy misses two free throws, everyone gets free Wendy's Frosties. So they will go wild. You've never heard it so loud. When Giannis Antetokounmpo gets up to shoot free throws, it gets absolutely nuts. Everyone wants that free 50 cents. That's all they care about. No, game-winning dunk, game-winning three, nah. It gets louder. Give them their free Frosty. Awesome. Well, I mean, I'm into it. I'm At this point, just – Look, I mean, the NCAA sold its soul about 30 years ago. But, like, really, I mean, just, just to the point that it's so aggressive. Like, during that, instead of, instead of, like, having the bands play and they have, like, you know, they're all in the marching band outfits and they got – just put them all in, like, Wendy's employees' outfits. Like, hey, everybody – and then, like, during the time outbreak, they just there should be, like, a challenge up on the board. Like, listen, you got to chug a Frosty during every TV timeout. So, by the time they show these poor bastards with 10 minutes ago in the second half – they're just throwing up in their tubas. Like, you know, I'm, I'm here for it. All right, look, we got to get the hell out of here. We're 20 minutes late. We've gone way over, probably because I sat down and read like 80 bowl names. So for Sterling Holmes, I'm Matt Verderam. We'll be back next Tuesday. If you follow the Arrowhead Attic podcast, I'll be back on Thursday. In the meantime, hope you enjoy bowl season. Sit down, clockwork orange style. Force your eyeballs open. It's Friday, baby. First game's in the Bahamas. Let's get it. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 